Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. So um, can I um, get underway um, by inviting all the questions in the room um, to be directed by Garth at any time that you guys feel that you want to ask them? Because there will be acting questions, there will be um, questions in the house from people who are of the Christian, Christian faith, there will be questions from people who are the Jew, Jewish faith. There are questions from production designers, there are questions from cinematographers, there are so many aspects to this beautiful film. There will be questions about um, uh, issues of of feminism, Um, and there will be um, questions of issues of sexuality and um, and gender. There are so many elements of the film that... um, Can't wait. ..that that come together. (laughs) And um, um, under your guidance, Garth. So can I kick off by... um, Are there questions that people have? I hope there are. Awesome. Great, Timmy. I'm going to come to you in one second. You're the first question, so, um, so do your warm-up. Um, but can I kick off, Garth, by asking you uh, what it was that made you want to tell this story in the first place? I think it was the spirituality in the story. I mean, um, Emil, Emil Sherman and Ian Canning sent me the script at the end of Lion, and, um, and it was Mary Magdalene. I thought, that's a bit weird. And then I read it and I, and I was just so taken by Mary's journey and the spiritualism and the meditation on love. It was just something that really reached into me in the same way that Lion did, you know, how the mothers, um, you know, had that unconditional love for their son. So there was all those themes that I'm interested in I found in this. And then I realised that it was basically Mary Magdalene I didn't know yet. And I thought it was just unbelievable her story hadn't been told. Mm. So it was two things. It was like, wow, this story needs to come to us, I think the time was right, and um, yeah, it was the emotionality and the love. Um, you talk about the, the essence of love and the untold story of Mary Magdalene, and um, and even now, um, I'm still amazed when I read at the end that it was in um, five thirteen, five thirty one, that Pope Gregory um, issued a dictum that Mary of Magdalene was a prostitute. It was not until twenty sixteen that the Vatican reached out to reverse that and allow her to be the Apostle of Apostles. I think it's because of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard we were making this movie, they're getting nervous, and it, Pope Francis changed it. <laughs> it is what he's been doing, actually. Um, but it is a bit of a zeitgeist um, in terms of women at the moment, and it's pretty amazing that you made this film and that Mary says the last line in the whole film is, I will um, not stay and be silenced. I will be heard. Um, the last line of the film, which is so me too and so time's up. So who would have known? It felt, felt very designed, didn't it? Yeah, didn't we it? We were first. Yeah, yeah. Someone said, haven't you just like jumped on the bandwagon? And going, we were like eight months before it started. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the irony is, is that it only started because of our North American financier, Harvey Weinstein. So how's that for weird? Yeah. I reckon Mary has kicked him off the perch. That's what I think. I think yeah. it's divine intervention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mary and Rooney. This is way bigger than us, Miranda. <laughs> I think now it's time to go to you, Timmy. Hello, what's Hi. your question? Um, my question is, did you, re- did you rehearse with the actors, and if so, what was that process like? That's a great question, because Garth is an amazing rehearser, and, um, and the people who are coming to the workshop tomorrow, is anyone here who's coming to the workshop tomorrow? Awesome, lots, so you'll really um, get to, uh, to explore Garth's process tomorrow, and then there might be some directors here who are going to the director's workshop on, yes, 
uh, but on Wednesday, the next day. So you too will um, get to experience that. But do you want to tell us a little bit about your rehearsal process, Garth? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, okay, a, it's, a, got, it's a long conversation. It is a long conversation, and one we're going to have tomorrow. But um, but can I just start off by saying that Garth loves actors, and actors love working with Garth. So um, I, I think that that is where the I, I I kind of feel like I've been watching a series of autumn leaves, really kind of slowly drifting through air or water, to land at the end of the film. So that what I get from the film is a very um, rich and strong portrait of each of those key characters that has really become richer and stronger over the time that the movie takes. And that's due, I think, to you, the, your ability to create a community. So can you talk to us a little bit about actors' community? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I suppose the thing that I really worked on was getting them into that first century world, so a lot of it was practical, you know, like just I basically sent the disciples in their wardrobe up the mountain to fend for themselves. Um, There's a lot of hard tasks like that. I got the women into the water to learn how to fish, and I had the Sicil this very old Sicilian fisherman who had throat cancer and had this surgery, so he had this kind of rigid neck. It was pretty amazing. And he was teaching the women how to fish. Rudy was learning how to tie nets. The family were making first century meals and um, familiarising themselves with the set. The kids were planting vegetables in the garden. I mean, it was a real world. I mean, I never rehearsed the scenes. Um, I just rehearsed the worlds and the um, relationships, I suppose. So just rehearsing the relationships was the other big thing as well. Um, because this film is about, um, you know, a spiritual questioning and it's about, um, also with the women especially, how reliant they are on each other to feel safe and to feel like they've got something. So when Mary leaves that, there's a lot of jeopardy. So, you know, that relationship building was really important. So we did a lot of that. The, um, what is the name of the character who's the wife of Daniel? Rachel. Rachel. So when Ariane, Mary, Ariane, yeah. it's so gorgeous, isn't she? So beautiful. And when Mary leaves, I, I, I got something that I never read in the script, which was quite a strong um, relationship between them, uh, like a relationship relationship between them, um, almost as though there was um, something sexual between them, or some deeper love between them that hadn't been able to be answered in that household, and that Mary was leaving that as well as. Um, leaving the, the possibility of marrying Ephraim. Was that intentional? Did you want to... No, I mean, maybe they did have something going on. I've got no idea. Um, I thought that too when I was shooting it. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, but I think the thing that um, I realised is just how, how important Mary was to Rachel. And in some ways, Rachel could explore her own um, spirituality through Mary. And I think by Mary leaving, she selfishly doesn't want her to go. She doesn't have, Rachel doesn't have the courage to leave home and follow her calling. She lived it through through Mary. In the same way the father was living through his daughter, his, his wife that's not there anymore as well. So, you know, a lot of people um, hold on to relationships for the wrong reasons, for selfish reasons, and I think Mary decided not to be that person anymore and leave, and you can see the, the impact on Rachel at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Can I come back to you guys and see if there are any other questions in the house? Yep, I'm, I'm going to come to you in a minute. There's a question here. Um, yeah, mine's a casting question. Um, it's probably the best thing I've seen Joaquin Phoenix play. Uh, yeah. Why did you choose it? Can I just repeat that question so everyone can hear it? Um, yeah. You said, hello. You said um, um, it's probably the best thing you've seen Joaquin Phoenix play. Why did you choose him? Well, uh, you know, 
casting Jesus is kind of interesting. Um, so I was just thinking, oh my God, who's going to play Jesus? And nothing worked in my head. I couldn't, I was going through all the actors and nothing worked. And then I thought of Joaquin and I went, oh, my producers are not going to like this. <laughs> but the reason why I thought of, and then I, but I thought, oh, maybe he's too dark, maybe he's too intense. And then I started watching interviews of him um, and realised actually he's a very gentle person and actually very spiritual, huge animal liberation kind of guy. And I thought, no, no, he and his whole family is spiritual. And I thought, no, no, he he's kind of special. Um, and maybe he's just been typecast before. And I thought maybe there's another side I could get out of him in the same way I did with Dev Patel. You know, you find something in them and, and see them in a different way. So I thought, oh, it would be really interesting to find Joaquin reach into that compassion and love. So it was weird because I was talking about him a bit going, I think he's Jesus, in fact, he is Jesus. And um, in my mind, there was no one else, and I'd expressed it. So somehow Chinese whispers must have fallen through. And I was coming home with the kids from camping, and I get a text saying, Joaquin wants to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> and I nearly crashed the car. And my kids are going, you all right, Dad? And I go, Joaquin wants to talk about Jesus. So I'm on a plane to LA almost immediately, walking up Mulholland, this long drive in Mulholland Drive. And here's, here's Joaquin, and um, he wants to talk about Jesus, but then he doesn't want to talk about Jesus. He's kind of petrified. Fuck, I want to play it. No, no, no. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, I can't do it. You know, and I go, it's Jesus. It's him. Just give me the camera. Yeah, yeah. So that conflict, yeah, that conflict was exactly what I was looking for in Jesus, because Jesus was struggling with the flesh and the spirit, and um, he doesn't act that guy. I mean, he is acting, but it's not acting. He's very special. And um, I thought Jesus deserved someone that was very believable and human. Thank you. That's a long answer, sorry. That was a great answer. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like it was Jesus through the lens of John the Baptist. So there, there's such a relationship between the character of Jesus and the character of John the Baptist and that kind of um, role of prophet that's being handed down it's true too, through yeah. um, people who've been in the desert with the locusts. and you really see that um, troubled soul in him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys were revolutionaries. They were risking their lives to, to spread this message. They were living, um, oh, hi, Claire. Um, they were living on the, you know, walking, sorry, <laughs> a lot of familiar faces. Um, they were, you know, living their lives and risking their lives and sleeping outdoors. And um, I think that, you know, there would have been a, a kind of a grittiness to them and a, and a reality to that. Yes, because he's, um, he's much older than, I mean, obviously Jesus died when he was 33, and Joachim is 10 years older than that. Yep. But that's kind of okay, because he's it lived is a hard us. life. It, it is, is to us. us. I, think it's, I think it's fine. They it's didn't fine. have moisturiser. No. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. I just yeah. totally fell in love with you. Yeah. It's the best answer ever. They didn't have to leak in those days. <laughs> Really, um, there is very beautiful moments in this film of um, of animals. Actually, the goats in the um, at the um, in the temple, the the goat moment where um, Mary encounters the goat as she's running away from her home. Every now and again, there's just a beautiful moment um, of relationship with animals and also a relationship with the land. And that um, brings me to a. I'm remembering you, my friend over here. Um, can we just hear a little bit about your beautiful collaboration, which is a collaboration that has gone on for many years between you and Greg Fraser, the cinematographer, because I really feel that you two um, are sort of soul twins. We're Cheech and Chong. Yeah, you are Cheech and Chong. So tell us about how you started working together and, and um, how you managed to, um, to make these beautiful images. Well, Greg was a cleaner at Exit Films about over 20 years ago, and I was an assistant director and um, we just became mates. And um, 
started to shoot things together. So all my very early work, um, he was figuring out how to expose, and I was figuring out how to direct, and we just worked together. I think I was 19 at the time. Um, and we shot uh, a documentary called Pins, um, which was the lives of some parking inspectors, and it turned into kind of like a weird Mike Lee movie, and um, went to their weddings and all sorts of things. It was kind of interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, Greg and I shot for about a year on that, on and off, and um, that's where we really learned technology and, and stuff. And then it kept developing, we shot commercials, and so aesthetically I think we've grown together. Um, we both had a similar interest and were hunting for things and kind of discovering our creative processes together. So seriously, like now, to, you know, like he tested 150 lenses for this movie and I rock up once he's done that and I look at the 150 lenses and I pick the same lens as him. Wow. So we are just so aligned and in a scene, you know, I can be looking at a shot and he, we, we just call the same lens. So yeah. we're just, it's just intuitive. He's also just a beautiful man. He's very um, organised and basically just means you can just get on with the art. Mm. You have to worry about practicalities and egos and issues. You can just get deep into the art, which is great. Yeah, he uh, he takes your vision seriously, I, and I've seen that both on on this film and um, and on Lion because Greg Bros also shot Lion, and um, and he and you together managed to get to the spirit of character, and that's partly to do I think partly to do with the pace the pacing of this film, where you just are allowed to really be with the characters in a, in a remarkable way in their relationship, and the, the complexity of those characters emerges. And a moment that really strikes me um, as an example of that is the moment where um, the Apostle Peter sees Mary and Jesus um, uh, after she's washed his feet. And it's so complex, that moment, isn't it? Because he's jealous, but he is at one with her as well, because they've been in Samaria together. There's just so much going on for Chiwetel Ejiofor in that moment before he turned. Yeah, to and it's it's a very different Last Supper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I realised. It's a very different Last Supper. Yeah, can I ask you, um, you for your question? Sure. Um, I was going to ask how the process of a feature film of this scale with so many vested interests and people, religious groups and stuff who will go and watch the film. How is the process for approvals for you in terms of that? Do you have to get things across the line? Well, early on pre-production, or does the film come out and you deal with it from there? Do people hear that question? No. Uh, that's a question about um, the series of approvals that you have to go through with all the different communities of interest around, the, and you're talking about religious communities as well, and how you managed um, those potential conflicts. That's a short version of your question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, the screenwriters were developing it for about four years, and they had a lot of advisors. Um, academics and all sorts of things, religious experts and um, so when it got to me that already been through a process and then I obviously was very anxious about what had happened so I was privy to all that information and essentially you know pretty quickly whether you're going to offend someone and I think you just need to decide whether you want to do that offensive thing or not um, but you know um, so sometimes we had to make those choices I mean the the most confronting thing really in this is um, the final scene with Peter. Um, you know, I mean, that's day one of the church, that scene. Um, and so that I felt real responsibility that, but you know, it's um, based on the Gospel of Mary and it's all there to be read. I mean, we haven't really done anything anywhere near as controversial as the films before us. Um, in some ways, we're kind of, it's kind of a pro-Christian movie, weirdly. I don't know how that happened. Um, but it does celebrate um, love 
in a way that I think you can find lots of other faiths as well. Yeah, I, I don't know whether I would agree that it's a specifically pro-Christian movie. I think it's a pro-spirit movie. Yeah. And I think the journey of spirituality that Mary goes off when she leaves the rock of the church, Peter, at the end of the final scene, and she goes off to forge her own version of the church, her own version of the kingdom. Um, that's, as you said, it's kind of a portrait of the division between the, the architecture and structure of the church and yeah. the spirit of the church. Yeah. So that may well be controversial. But I'm interested in hearing um, from other people who may have something to say about that. You, uh, there in the background, is it you, Tandy? Yeah, I've got a different question. Okay, off you go. Is that right? I, um, I, you know how the performances are incredibly interior, there's so much going on. Are you, and there's not a lot of dialogue for the actors to hide behind, do you always know whether you've got what you need? Do you have to do a lot of takes? I mean, I'm wondering if sometimes there's so much going on that you, are you always confident that you've got what you need? Uh, yeah, you don't know if I've got it or not, definitely. Um, I don't do many takes, do I, Miranda? No, no. no. Um, I think it's, um, you just really need to choose properly, you know, you've got to choose, your, if you choose your cast well, then I think you're 90% there, and, and if they're connected to the material uh, in a really deep way, they're going to, and they've got lots of choices to bring to the day, um, that's usually what we, we're there to kind of witness and explore with the camera. Um, yeah, look, I don't know, I think if you can find the truth of a scene or find a way to explore a mystery of a scene, then you've at least you've got something to work with. Um, maybe occasionally you might go, oh, maybe we could have done that a different way. But um, I don't know, I think these actors really kind of captured that. Yeah, so would you sometimes feed them bits and pieces along the journey to get a different colour in the scene? You mean during a take? Yeah. Sometimes, not, not too often. I'm not a puppeteer director. Um, but you know, maybe they'll let them do that choice, and then I'll have a little chat, and we'll go another another way. Mm. Or if, um, or if I want to kind of move the scene on, like get the rhythm changed, then maybe I might drop a drop a note in to move them along, or maybe remind them of something that we've spoken about in rehearsals or earlier. You know, don't forget your mother might be something I might say, um, or something like that. Depends. It's very intuitive. Like you, it's it's an energetic experience for me. Like you don't know where that actor's going to go or actress is going to go, and you you just have to respond. Like for instance, um, on the rooftop with um, Judas, Jesus, and Judas, that was divided into two scenes. Um, it was the scene with Judas, and then Mary would come in. So it was slated as two scenes. But Joaquin did this amazing take with Judas, and I felt like they really connected. And I could tell that it would kill Joaquin if we cut and went into a different setup, so I just kept rolling. I said, Mary, just come in, Mary, come in. So she just came in and we just kept the scene going, and that's the take I used. So it's um, just being, you just gotta, I don't know, you just, you, you don't know what's gonna happen. There's no way you can learn how to do it. You just gotta be in there and be ready and be listening to what's going on and, and understand, you get an instinct for your actors, how they work. But I think that comes back to forming your community and casting well, not yeah. only amongst your actors, but also amongst your crew, because your first AD Phil, this film with yeah. Jones, wasn't it? Yeah. The first AD Phil obviously has to be seriously on board with that kind of yeah. choice making so yeah. that he can just like change everything to accommodate the new choice that you're making in the moment because you're driven by the spirit of the scene as opposed to the architecture. Yeah, um, some people get very upset with me. Um, <laughs> but no, no, like if people work with me, they know it's going to like, we could be shooting one shot and suddenly it becomes the next three scenes. Mm. If we're feeling it, I'm just going to keep going. And um, so that's great with Greg because 
we like to give the actors a world. You know, it's not about the shot and lighting the shot. It's actually give them a lot of space. Mm. Are you, is it you clapping, Brenda? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember being on... Um, it's all about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up and get it in the frame. Well, you know, yeah, lucky she's going to be there for you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I, I remember being on the, um, the railway platform shooting Lion when um, it was late at night, two in the morning, and um, Abhishek Bharati, who played Gudu, uh, ran off the railway platform and he ran amongst the, do the wild dogs into the night. And, um, and of course, Greg Fraser just followed him. And that's in the film. Yep. And, um, and there were people on the platform going, this is just madness. <laughs> Lights out there, what are they thinking? And, um, and it did seem a little bit like madness, but it's in the film. Well, there's people that um, check in at the airports and they get really stressed. And there's people that don't. Yeah, that's, you know that's what, I mean? what you do. You can't. Like, you're still going to get on the bloody plane. You're still yeah. going to go. Like, just relax. Yeah. Like, just who cares if we're going to shoot four stops underexposed? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, I mean, that's where it comes. Who's going to get hurt? No one. Yeah. Well, you know the wild dogs. It's weird. All these people have these strange rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and that brings me to Rooney. There are other questions out there. I know. So, um, show me your hands. Yep. I'm going to come to you. You're um, uh, that brings me to a question about Rooney. So did Rooney come on board? Was she part of the inspiration of doing the film? What point in the process did she come on board as Mary? Well, when I was reading the script, I thought of Rooney, like suddenly Mary was Rooney. So when I finished the script, it was Rooney Mara. It was a weird thing. Um, probably because when I worked with her on Lion, I mean, she didn't really have a huge role on Lion, but I, got a, I got a, definitely got a sense of her as an actress, and I thought, oh, she's really special. Like, she's got this interior world and this atmosphere, this otherworldliness that's very unique. It kind of reminded me of um, Ingrid Bergman from Casablanca, you know, like, she's almost like a 1920s actress or something. I don't know, the camera just, you put the camera on her and there's a story going on, it's weird. Anyway, um, so when I was reading this, I thought of her instantly because Mary in the film, she, has a spiritual calling that she can't kind of articulate with anybody. It's like it's it's a secret. It's like something she can't express, and it just reminded me of Rooney straight away. And in some ways, what Mary becomes for me was exciting to see Rooney kind of find her voice by the end of the movie um, and and put her through these kind of challenges. Um, and also, Rooney is a great feminist. Um, she's very strong, um, but she has a lot of humility and um, she really cares about social change and things like that. So there's a lot of her in this movie, so I thought it could, could work. But when I sent it to her, she was terrified. It's like, I'm not doing a religious film. I don't know, she's just like you, you should read it. <laughs> yeah, because you've managed to um, achieve a very modern portrayal of her thought process and her psychology yep. um, in the first century. Um, let's come to you, you had a question? Um, my question is about casting as well. I noticed um, one of the things that hit home for me was noticing the blend of accents and um, recognising Denis Minossi, who I grew up watching, and Ariane Labbé, who I remember as a dancer. And I was wondering if it was a conscious choice to have those blend of accents from Chiki and this Turkish background, and or did they just come to you through fate and you go, okay, that works? It was kind of a nightmare, really. Um, <laughs> because we didn't have the resources to get everyone having the same accent. So that's just production. You have to choose your battles. And I didn't want to impose something that took away from the reality of the performances. 
So what we decided to do was, I mean, I was also trying to find actors that were um, very mercurial and real. So like I was gravitating towards the French actors and the Israeli actors. Um, so we just decided to kind of just keep drawing from those pools and at least their accents were unified. So Rooney actually had to learn a French accent. Um, and then Chiwetel decided to embrace a whole new language, a whole new accent, sorry. Um, and so Andrew, his brother, had to learn, they had to learn that accent together. So just playing the idea that there's a very nomadic place, like people kind of came up from Africa and all over the place. And also, I don't just modernise the story, it kind of felt like what we're all living in today in some way. So I thought maybe it's interesting. It's a, maybe it's not yeah. a documentary choice, but maybe it's, um, maybe it brings it into the modern day. I think it feels like a choice because there was such diversity in the actors who are playing the roles as we encounter them, that it, it feels like a choice that, that it is a, a melting pot and that people are coming from any places they're passing through. Yeah. That's how we kind of, that's, that's a way we can find the truth in it and, and embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, somebody else over here. Yeah. Hi, um, yeah, absolutely love the film. Um, my question is probably a bit of an obvious one, but how do you go about, um, I mean, Jesus is such a controversial character in history and there's so much written about him. How do you go about actually characterising Jesus? Do you, do you think of him as having a backstory? Do you take focus more on his presence? Or did, did Joachim have much say in, in that? process or um, yeah. all, all of that essentially yeah I mean you do learn about his backstory um, also I just I mean I love all the biblical films that have come out through my life um, I love them all but I always find that Jesus is kind of very removed in some ways like he's always on a pedestal and he's always talking in parables but the parables came later you know so how did Jesus speak then like here and now, like in this movie. I thought that, like Ken and I were very fascinated by that. And we looked at Martin Luther King, um, you know, his last speech where, it's a great speech where he's talking about the mountaintop, where you can tell in his performance in Martin Luther's moment, he, he knows he's gonna die. He can feel that his life is in jeopardy. You know, he's gonna, he was assassinated the next day actually. But um, that's what Jesus would have been like. He would have known that he was gonna be leaving very soon. Um, but he was imparting all of this beautiful uh, knowledge. So we looked to people like that. Um, I know Joaquin did a lot of reading. I think he read everything you could possibly read. Um, and he had a very, I mean, his main thrust was to approach everything with compassion and love. That, that was really it. Um, uh, so yeah, just trying to, I think, create a Jesus that was more human than divine or you know trying to create a balance so that we could maybe relate to him and because this whole film is celebrating that god is within us he's not in jesus or up there uh, he's in in us we have the power so in some ways we had to celebrate our own humanity and guide the audience into relatable characters I suppose that's what we try to do it, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would add to that too that you know you when you're casting, from my observation, you you find somebody to play each role who truly has the spirit of that character in them. Yep. And so when you ask the question, um, did Joaquin bring a lot to that characterization? Yeah, and that's that, that's why he was cast because he is essentially um, of that character anyway. Yep. I, I love the the little amount of backstory that we get when um, Mother Mary speaks about um, Jesus as a child and how he was bullied and um, how the children 
um, that he played with children, that he had the devil in, in him. And that, those little fragments of backstory were written by Philippa Goslett and Helen Edmondson, who originated and wrote the, um, the screenplay. So there are little bits of backstory that, are, that are, don't, I think, overweigh the character of Jesus, but just like add that element of humanity. But yeah, even with Mother Mary, it was fascinating because I was really interested in the idea of a mother who had a son, but also had the son of God. And it's like a, it's a kind of a double relationship and requires different things from you in some ways. And I was talking to the actress about it, Irrit, and she said, I can relate to this because her son is in the secret, like is in the military, in the secret service, whatever it is. So she has a son that she loves, obviously, who risks his life every day and she has to support him in doing that. So she could completely understand where she has to find the courage to support his dreams. And then there's the other side where he could come home in a body bag any moment. And um, so when we see Jesus' body come off the cross, you know, it's basically her with her son, the human son. And that tactility and just reclaiming the body of the son was really important, not the son of God, you know. So she was, you know, it was, um, it was quite raw, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. There, were, um, there are lots of other questions. Hello? Yeah, Garth, I've got this feeling of um, sort of almost in terms of a look um, of being kind of on edge, like there was this impending something about to happen all the time through the fact that it was shot what it looked like in low light, either at dusk or dawn. Was that conscious? It was, it was like a pretty sort of subdued light level. It was like something was about to happen. gave me the feeling that something was about to happen. As you feel, I mean, there's definitely a lot of tension in the story, um, but the we just couldn't shoot in the middle of the day. The actors couldn't see each other. It was so bright because the whole story shot in in exterior essentially. So um, it just became a practical thing that we couldn't shoot in the middle of the day. The digital didn't handle it, and the actors couldn't even look at each other. And it's such a story about getting in the eyes of the actors. So we often went. We didn't go fully early and fully late. It was just. You know, middle of the day was a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, when you when you choose to shoot and the times of day, it all just suddenly kind of created that language. Did you sit around for the middle of the day? No, <laughs> definitely not. A lot of blocking, a lot of interiors. Yeah, Claire. Um, I'm really interested in your editing process. Um, how on this film and other films, uh, how involved you are? And, yeah. Very, very involved. On a day-to-day kind of, you know. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the, the, the editor would usually do an assembly while you're cutting. So when you, what, what I usually do is we, we kind of get into the cinema and project the assembly um, and just watch it, just, just kind of see what it feels like. And it's a really revealing thing to do because you kind of get a sense of its form and maybe the sections that are working, the sections that aren't. Um, and then it's just the long slog. I just start at the beginning and go to the end. So you're in the room all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay. And it's a it's a no different to work with the DOP. It's just a collaborative process mm-hmm. where you watch the scene together, maybe do, you know, I like to do some selects as well, just to make sure that we haven't missed anything. And then sometimes I might, you know, they send me for a walk around the block <laughs> or go home early or something. Um, and, um, or I might leave them for a couple of days. So it just depends how you're working. But they're usually desperate for you to be there. Gas editor is Alexandra De Franceschi, who also edited Lion Denis. So you've got a strong collaboration going. You know, you can feel that it's a family, a filmmaking family, 
um, at work in these in these films. And I'm going to ask the last question because Mary and I are just doing sign language. Oh, you had a question? I, okay. I did, sorry. Sure, no, my question I can ask later on, so you okay. go for it, mate. Thanks. Um, hey, dude. I'm curious to know about how you portrayed water and your creative kind of process for how you want to yeah, bring that to the screen. Uh, so I'm going to repeat that just so everyone can hear it. He's curious about the creative process of how Garth used water yeah. in the film and, um, and his, his process of decision-making around that. Uh, well, the opening sequence, um, The Underwater, was kind of a metaphor for Mary's spiritual question and, you know, trying to visualise that place that we all may go to in some way, shape or form where we try to understand who we are, what we're connected to, and it's not necessarily a good thing. It's both things. You know, and it's 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 really having the courage to surrender into that underwaterness, like to surrender into that faith. So that's where that kind of came from. But it's also tied to the lake, and the Sea of Galilee was such a, a special place for people of that time. And um, I mean, obviously, it's a very um, feminine um, metaphor as well. And um, you know, so that became a big part of the opening part, like Mary's connection to the water, her mother, all that stuff. And then she obviously leaves that, and we go to Jerusalem. The water kind of disappears very quickly. Um, does that and it's resonant too with the um, the exorcism. Yeah, the different ways that she's baptised. Yeah. One's an exorcism and one is being uh, born into a new life with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And also, she um, doesn't she tell a story about how she and her brothers would swim and see for how long they could hold their breath? So in the text as well as in the um, the imagery, there's a lot of, um, of water resonance. Does that answer your question? Yeah. In the script, the opening stuff was um, very domestic. It was like Mary with her brothers swimming kind of thing, and I just wanted to find something a bit more metaphorical and elemental. So uh, we went to Nice, and um, there's a, an amazing team over there. It was a very small shoot, um, these... Um, Got to go. We've okay, go. we got two minutes. Okay. Um, anyway, we, she, she's the world champion freediver. And so she can go to 70 metres, I think, hold her breath for four minutes. And then there was this really cool French DOP who would go down in his scuba tank and film it. So basically, it's all in camera. It's just, um, she's like a fish. Well, that's a great place to end. And um, thank you for that last question. Thanks very much, guys, for your attention. See you tomorrow. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.